Welcome to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFBA. Over the next hour, you'll be introduced to business and local leaders impacting our community. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. Now, the host of Town Talk, Ted Schubel. The uh, Rappahannock Area Health District in this morning. Haven't seen Allison Baumann's John and uh, Aaron Perkins in a while, but you guys are here. Good morning. Good to have you here this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. There are a lot of things to uh, to catch up on and, uh, and 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 talk about, but one of the things, uh, the Great American Smoke out this week, and it is so interesting. Whenever you talk to any kind of doctor or anything, any topic, whenever you talk about smoking, it is just like one of the worst things that you can do yeah yeah it's really true and I, I think that people don't realize that smoking is still considered to be the largest preventable cause of death in the world so even though like we we think about it and you know so many less people smoke now than in like the 50s and 60s when like our doctors smoked and pregnant oh, moms everybody. smoked and everybody was smoking just watch movies yes exactly um we've gone way down from that the the rate in our area is about nine percent of adults smoke um national average in the 60s was like 40 40 some percent so you know we've come a long way but to still be considered the, the 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 best way to like prevent death, that's that's significant. Yeah. Um, and so, the Great American Smokeout is really you know one day a year that if you've been thinking about quitting smoking, you know they kind of want to highlight this is this is a great day to do it. And the first step is really to select that date that's going to be your quit date. So, if it's something that you've been considering, this Thursday is a great day. Lots of great resources around this holiday as well. If you just Google Great American Smokeout. Um, you know, lots of kind of individualized resources, um, health information, that sort of thing that you can find. Well, one of the things, Allison, that, that it used to be, and I mean, I know it still is hard for, for, for people that smoke, but things like patches and th- there are so many helps out there that, that, there, that there weren't before. Yeah, yeah. There's a number of medications. And I think that this is a great thing. Like if, if you're thinking about this, that's a great conversation to have with your doctor about what's going to be right for you. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there are some like pros and cons to some of the medications versus the patch versus the gum. Um, and you can kind of work through some of that. Another good resource to discuss that with is the Virginia Quit Line, which is the 1-800-QUIT-NOW number. Um, it's a free and confidential counseling service. It's available to all Virginia residents age 13 and up. So even for teenagers. Um, and you can speak with a trained coach 24 hours a day and they really have a lot of information about those um, medication supports as well there was such a thing what a what a great thing that the state provides to do that yeah yeah really great resource and i think just speaks to the 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 issue and the investment we want to see in um in helping people to to be able to quit well like you say we don't see as as much of it but boy it, for, for the people that, that do have it and they, they all talk about it. i mean it is so addictive and i guess the best thing is don't do it. Don't, you know, don't get involved in it. Yeah. Because it is really hard. The, the people I know just really struggle to quit smoking. And yeah. it's, then it becomes a lifetime thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I empathize with them because I, I know it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. Like, I think that many or most people who are smoking want to be able to quit. I think a lot of people start at a really young age. And in addition to being a habit, you know, if you, every time you get in your car, you light up a cigarette, but it's Mm -hmm. the nicotine on top of that, like that is such a hard cycle to break. So yeah, I I absolutely empathize. And I just encourage people to use those kind of resources. 
one I have one other I wanted to highlight. We have an additional resource in our area for any pregnant women who smoke um, and for anybody in their households who smokes. Um, So it's called uh, Baby and Me Tobacco Free. There's information on the Rappahannock Area Health District website. Um, You can also ask your provider about it. But if you're successful in quitting smoking while you're pregnant, um, there's an incentive for free diapers for up to 12 months. And as somebody with a toddler, that is a large incentive because those things are expensive. Yeah, Um, huge. Definitely worth taking a look at. Well, and in in that case, especially, but in any case, the secondhand smoke, we know so much more about that. Exactly. And that's a whole other issue. Yeah, and that's really why we decided to invest in this program because you're really, you know, not just helping the mom, but you're also able to help the baby and the other household members. Rep Area Health District here this morning. We'll take a break and come back and continue on. A lot, of, lot to talk about on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Was your look? Welcome back to Town Talk on News Talk 1230. You can weigh in about today's topic on Facebook at WFVA 1230 and by text at 540-371-5756. Here's your host, Ted Schubel. Aaron Perkins and uh, Allison Bomas-John with uh, the Rappahannock Area Health District in this morning. Aaron, you and I have had this conversation for years and years and years. Food safety. Food safety at Thanksgiving time. Absolutely. And this is this is the time when um, a lot of bad things can happen. You, you really have to stay on top of this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, when you're cooking for a crowd, you know, you're cooking in large quantities. You're cooking days in advance. You need a lot of refrigeration space. You need time, you need to do it properly because the last thing anybody wants is to have a foodborne illness outbreak happen at their Thanksgiving table. I don't, it's it's very, it's, it's, it's ironic that you're in here to talk about this today because about 10 minutes ago, my, my son had gone and visited family this weekend and I just texted him and said, how was it? And he said, I got food poisoning. I threw up on the plane oh, on the way no. back. No. So food, and I, I don't know all the details, but food poisoning does happen. It does. Unfortunately, it does. Um, there's usually multiple steps that need to fail in order for foodborne illness to occur, but it does happen far more often than people want to think about or talk about. I've never had it, but I know that people who have just say it is... It is one of the worst things. Yeah, it's not fun. <laughs> it's it, it causes, um, I don't even remember the statistics because it's so long since I've been out of the food safety role here at Rappahannock, but um, it causes many, many hospitalizations every year, billions of dollars um, in hospital costs. Um, and so anything that you can do to try to prevent it is definitely worth your while. So let's talk about preventing. What, yeah. what, uh, what do we need to know? So... Clean spaces, you know, make sure your kitchen is clean before, during, and after your preparation. Uh, washing your hands, making sure that you're not interacting with the food, you know, handling the food if you're sick yourself, so that you don't take a chance of passing that on to other people. Um, and then following cooking, reheating, cooling instructions. Um, a lot of things are on packages of ingredients that you might buy or even, you know, on the turkey wrapper itself. It'll tell you how long mm-hmm. to cook it per pound and what temperature to look for when you're done cooking it. Um, and so 
it's great to invest in those tools like a, a good food thermometer and um, you know enough equipment, basically enough space to cool it down properly if you're cooling leftovers or things like that. Um, and just really following directions. There, there's so much information out there. It's a quick Google search. If you need to know what temperature to cook something mm -hmm. to, you can easily find that information. Um, and we also, I believe we have some of it on our website. If not at Rappahannock Area Health District, definitely the state, excuse me, the state website, uh, Virginia Department of Health, um, some food safety information up there. The thermometers have gotten so, or the, the digital thermometers are just so much easier to use yes. and so much more accurate yes i paid like less than twenty dollars for a really nice digital thermometer on amazon uh delivered to my house within you know 48 hours mm -hmm. or so and i use that just about every single day um so it's it's a really inexpensive and useful tool to use and have available just and just because especially when you're, you're having a lot of people over you don't want to hear afterwards. Did anybody else get sick? That right. kind of thing. It's just an <laughs> right. awful thing. Yeah. Right. And there's so many ways for people to, you know, share germs when you're in a large crowd. But the food is one way that you can make sure that you're not sharing that. It was by, you know, cooking it, cooling it, reheating it all appropriately. And it gets so it's it's so easy, especially on Thanksgiving when you're all just sitting around. Somebody needs to think about, hey, let's start putting this, this back into the refrigerator. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want to leave things out at room temperature for too long. If it's supposed to be kept hot or it's supposed to be kept cold, you want to get that um, into the next phase as soon as possible and, and make sure that it, it cools down or, or reheats appropriately. Well, especially with the turkey this time of year, come next week, you, you do have, you, you've got to make, you got to plan. Yeah. Because... Th those things take some some days to thaw. You've got to thaw it in refrigeration. You don't want to thaw it out at room temperature. You want to plan. I think it's something like one day for every five pounds yeah. of meat or something like that. I saw uh, a post recently um, about that. So yeah, you want to get that. Probably start pulling it from your freezer about a week from now and and start making sure that it's ready to go in the oven Thursday morning, Thanksgiving and, day. Right. And I'm glad you said something about that it's best to thaw it in the refrigerator because so often, especially at the end, when all of a sudden you're thinking, <laughs> this thing feels too hard. A lot of times you'll fill up the sink and put it there. I've yeah. seen that and that can cause yeah. big problems. If you, if you do that as a last resort, as long as it's going right into the oven immediately after, you're probably okay. But you don't want to leave it like overnight in that environment and then throw it in in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, it has to be cooked immediately after thawing. When you go to people's houses, I'm sure you scope all of I this out. I put my blinders on, Ted. Okay. <laughs> Aaron's coming. We need to... <laughs> Nobody no, invites me over for Thanksgiving because of that. That's why. <laughs> but this is, this, it, in so many of these things, just, you know, the clean spaces. I know that mm -hmm. that's something when, when the health department goes that you see that all the time. With with restaurants yeah. that that they can get caught on that it it, it is easy just to not, to not but to to keep cleaning things off so you don't have the cross contamination and right. all of that absolutely um, you know restaurants are definitely held to a higher standard than your home kitchens would ever be um, certainly a higher standard than my home kitchen is held to um, but it it is important to make sure that you're cleaning and sanitizing those surfaces especially after you're working with things like raw meats and before you're going to you know, cut up vegetables or something that maybe isn't going to get cooked all the way through and won't be heat 
treated so that you don't run that risk of cross-contamination. And again, be, and again an, an, another key word, cook all the things through. Mm-hmm. Because again, there's another, there, 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 things can develop yes. from that. Yes, we don't want to undercook anything. <laughs> no. So and I guess the other thing too, that do what you can do, because especially if people are bringing things to you, you oftentimes don't know Correct. Some of the but 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 if if you you do what you can do yeah absolutely do what you can have control over and um, hope that everyone in your family is doing the same. <laughs> I thought the other you you mentioned a couple of the other things you mentioned about washing your hands. And I, I noticed the other day, and Allison, I always think of you <laughs> because you and I had many talks during COVID, yeah. and I noticed the other day just in, in washing my hands that I think I have slipped back into the pre-COVID <laughs> of just wash. In fact, because my wife said to me the other day, "You didn't wash for you didn't wash for very long," <laughs> and I, again, I thought of you. I thought it just like you're over my shoulder when I think of these things that. <laughs> We do need to take that, that, that was a thing we took seriously for a long time, but I, I, I know, at least in my case, I have just been like, eh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm honored that you think of me as the, <laughs> as the hand-washing reminder. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's easy. I think I'm guilty, too. You know, we were, I think, during COVID, really, really good about washing our hands for the full 20 seconds, you know, following the instructions that were mm-hmm. posted everywhere, that sort of thing. And it's just a good practice. Like, it's a good practice for food safety. There's also a lot of things just circulating in the community right now. I have a child in daycare, so I feel like I've encountered many of these. But, you know, nobody wants to get sick. Like, it doesn't it doesn't matter if we're in a pandemic or not. Hand washing is just, you know, the best way mm-hmm. to prevent getting whatever's going to come your way. And so even if we're talking about Thanksgiving, like, it's not just your food. It's that you're having a bunch of people over who you might not see all the time. Make sure mm-hmm. you're washing your hands thoroughly. No, that was that was something that we we talked about before and didn't get much attention to. It then got a lot of attention, and I just think we we have we have slipped back. The other thing is, if you're not feeling well, we talk about this with school and with work, but even the holidays, especially mm-hmm. if you're not feeling well, maybe you don't go to the to the family gathering. Yeah, and I know holidays, I think, are especially a hard time. I think, you know, I shouldn't say it's just holidays, though. It's hard with school, too. Like, if your kids missed a lot of school during COVID, you know, people were virtual. Now, if they're getting sick, it's hard to have them miss a lot of days. But if somebody's genuinely not feeling well and it's something that could infect others and they're just going to go to school and be miserable, like, it's 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 really good to take a second look and consider staying home. Masking is another option still that can prevent some of that. So, you know, something to keep in mind. Um, I especially think about my older relatives that I really, you know, I, if something's affecting me as a, as a, a you know, younger person, I, I really don't want to be giving it to an older relative where I think it could really knock them out. Mm-hmm. Um, so all things to consider um, as, you're, as you're gearing up for Thanksgiving next week. COVID's still in the community. Correct. Unfortunately. And I know people that have that have had it recently, and I, I know a lot of people. And it has really hit people hard. Yeah. Whatever the whatever the whatever the new strain is. Yeah, I was actually just talking with somebody the other day who had had it before and you know, for them it was more cold like symptoms, but this time it, it did really knock them out where, you know, they're following the C D guide C D C guidance to stay home for five days, but like they were like, I was not going anywhere for five days. So, yeah. um, you know, taking those steps to, you know, prevent yourself from potentially getting exposed to COVID, flu, strep throat, 
RSV, whatever it may be, they're all circulating in the community. And um, it's worthwhile to, to remember those things that we've already learned from COVID. And get your flu shot and get your COVID shot. Yeah. And I will just say now is a really great time to do that. Um, you don't want to wait. You don't want to get your flu shot too early because you don't want it to wear off at the end of the season. But you also don't want to get it too late where it's like you could get the flu. Mm-hmm before it's kicked in. Um, It takes about two weeks for vaccines to go fully into effect. So with Thanksgiving being about 10 days away now, I think, you know, it's, it's a great time to think about getting it this week. That way, at least you'll, you'll have some protection kicking in before you're around family or traveling at Thanksgiving. It's easy to get it at, uh, pharmacies have it. It's, it's, it's a quick in and out wherever you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's everywhere. I mean, very readily available. Yeah. All the pharmacies, you know, Walmart grocery stores, they all have it. I'm sure that your primary care provider has it. I know for children, pediatricians are often the place to go. You can't get really young children vaccinated at pharmacies. Um, but it's, you know, I'm sure not too late to, to make those appointments if you need to and, and get that taken care of. We do have, have um, flu and COVID and other vaccines available in the health departments. Um, those are by appointment only. But if you are looking for, you know, whatever kind of vaccine in a health department is convenient to you, or maybe you're uninsured and um, payment is a concern, health departments are a really mm-hmm. great option to get those vaccines. So you also have that protection. I see so many commercials now on TV for, for getting both the flu shot and, and the COVID shot. Yeah. And that's really what I would advise. And I, I hope what, what continues to... It, what continues to be promoted moving forward is just to get them both at the same time. I think we will see COVID become an annual vaccine. Um, I know I got mine together just at a pharmacy. Um, in the past, I've had really terrible side effects from COVID-19 vaccines. Yeah. I just felt really bad. But this year, you know, it was fine. I had sore arms. And then like a day later, I was fine. And I'm glad I, <laughs> that it's over and done with. You know, shots aren't anybody's favorite thing. But it is a good feeling to, you know, just have that comfort knowing that you have some protection. I don't know where I heard it, but I heard somebody talking about the- that they thought that this year's flu, sh- the, the the flu vaccine this year was really a good one, that, that it matched up well with whatever we're looking at. Yeah, that's actually a great question. And normally I talk to Dr. O a little bit more about that. Um, we can we can pass that information okay. along and you I, can I, pass I, it along to listeners. I would, yeah, I, would, I, I heard somebody, I heard some doctor who was in the know saying that they thought it matched up well, but that always is because it really yeah. is a guess. It is a little bit of a guess. Yeah, it's based off of what we're seeing in the Southern Hemisphere. So like if Australia had a really bad flu season Mm -hmm. we're going to base it off of that that strain um but regardless you know it's been shown that even if it's not a perfect match it can help prevent hospitalization and what we really don't want is you don't want to get really sick (laughs) and so even if you come down with the flu if you've had that flu shot it's less likely that you're going to be hospitalized and i think we all agree nobody wants to be hospitalized especially over the holidays no no and i I can remember a few years ago getting the flu really bad and, and somebody from the health department saying to me Imagine how, and I had a flu shot and saying, it's not going it, to, it won't, it doesn't necessarily stop you from getting the flu, but like, like you said, you would have been a lot worse yeah. without that shot. Yeah. And I think so, for some people, you know, when it does really knock you out, it's hard to even imagine how it could be worse. Right. But yeah. um, it's good that you didn't have to find out. Right. And no, when I get a flu shot, I'm not going to, you know, I, you, you hear that, you always hear that you've got, you've got some of the other skeptics who will say, yeah, I got a flu shot. And as soon as I got the shot, I got the flu. Yeah. You didn't get it from the shot. Correct. And sometimes I think people, you know, misconstrue side effects from a vaccine with mm-hmm. actually 
getting the illness. And it's it's not quite the same. You know, I, I know, like I've said, I've had bad side effects from the COVID vaccine. I've been achy, but it doesn't mean I had COVID. I just, it was my body right. responding um, and building up that immune response to, to getting the vaccine. Well, there, there are, there, we've got some, some great radio commercials that, that, that talk about get, get, a, get a flu shot because if you don't, all, you know, all the things you'll miss. And it, it runs through all those things. And it's true. If, if you, want, you, give, you give your best chance to avoiding things by getting the flu shot in a COVID shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that that's the, you know, the kind of mentality folks should have. And, you know, I, <laughs> the timing is almost nice with the holidays because I think that's the mm-hmm. stuff people really don't want to miss. Right. Um, and it's the, you know, spending time with the people you love most who you probably really want to protect. You know, like I've said, older people, you know, these, these sorts of illnesses can really knock them out. But same with infants. If you're spending time with any new family members, you know, children under the age of six months, they can't get the vaccines. And so the more protection people around them have, the, the better um, and the, the less likely it is that they're going to get really sick. And there's stuff out there. I don't. It seems like every person I know that has been on a cruise lately, or has been on a long, has gone across the country on an airline flight, comes back and they get really sick. Oh, <laughs> makes me nervous. I'm flying soon, but yeah, I think you're just around a lot of people, yeah. so it's going to increase your likelihood. If you're just, you know, in your office where you only see a few people, it's it's a lot less exposure yeah. than if you're. In an airport or, you know, going to a big event where you're you're sitting in close quarters with a lot of people. It's yeah. just higher higher likelihood because of more people breathing. So stuff is out there. We don't hear it and we're not as susceptible maybe to the, some of the deadly things. But like you say, for older people, it still is a concern and you don't want to be the one... That's the, the, the that's that's the cause of something. Exactly. I think we said that a lot during COVID. You weren't. You didn't. Even if you felt like you weren't at risk, you didn't want to be the one who gave it to a loved one. And I think that's still, you know, a way to think. And you know, I, I'm. I think we're kind of tying COVID and flu a little bit closer together now as respiratory illnesses. But mm-hmm. you don't want to be giving either of those things to to somebody that you really care about if if it's going to put them at pretty high risk. So do you still do you, do you and I guess if you've got questions, talk to the health department or talk to talk to your doctor. Absolutely. And, and ask questions about this. Yeah. Doctor is a great resource. We at the health department have also tried to keep up our um, call center line, which was just our kind of question and answer line <laughs> that we had for a really long time. Uh, that number is five four zero eight nine nine four seven nine seven. If you call it, you're more than likely gonna leave a message, but we'll give you a call back within twenty four hours. You'll get to speak to mm-hmm. Liesel, who is mm-hmm. lovely um, and is happy to answer questions questions about flu, COVID, or connect you with whatever else you need at the health department. Allison Bomas, John here, and uh, Aaron Perkins with the Rappahannock Area Health District. We'll take a break and come back. Much more to talk about on News Talk 1230 WFVA. It's 830. From the Fredericksburg Dot Today online news studios, this is News Talk 1230 WFVA Fredericksburg, a centennial broadcasting station focused on Fredericksburg. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Allison Bomas, John, and Aaron Perkins from the Rappahannock Area Health District here this morning to talk about a whole lot of things. And one of them is Unite Us. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What is what is that all about? Sure. So Unitas is a new 
new-ish. It's not actually that new. It's expanding in our area. It's a it's a way that organizations are trying to be better connected to one another. So we're talking when I say organizations, I'm talking a lot of nonprofits, mm-hmm. government organizations, that sort of thing that are providing resources to the community to those in need. Um, what this kind of springs out of the notion that often if people are facing one need, they're probably facing another need as well. So like if somebody is um, uninsured, like they might also have an issue with accessing enough food or enough healthy food. And so the goal is that if somebody comes into the health department and also has a food need, we can connect them Mm -hmm. with with the food bank or whoever that may be. So Unitas is a platform that that can be done electronically, basically to save us all a lot of phone calls and emails. We're especially excited at the health department, though, because we've just launched an assistance form on our website where people can kind of self-refer. So if if you're facing a need around food or housing, utilities, um, and you're just not really sure where to go in the community because... Google is completely overwhelming. You just don't know what's right. out there. When it comes to something like utilities, a lot of the people who can help with it are churches. So they're kind of small organizations, and it's hard to sort through. You can go to our website, fill out this assistance form, and we'll have somebody call you back, and they'll help you. And they kind of know these resources and will know where to point you to um, and can make a referral where then that organization will reach back out to you. So an exciting step towards just kind uh-huh. of connecting everybody um, in a stronger way. Because so often people run into stuff like this, they're not expecting it, and then you don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. If something right. if something happened and I need the services, even though I talk to people like you all the time, I think I would just freeze up. Yeah. And I wouldn't know what to where, – where do I go? Right, what, do, right. what do I even ask? Yeah, because you're stressed out. You're probably yes. dealing – again, you're dealing with multiple things because these – these issues don't just happen in, in a silo. And I think we, we like to use the term, like we work in silos and we're trying to break those down. We yeah. use that term a lot. But that's really what it is, is that life happens in kind of a holistic way. And we're trying to support people to address all of those needs. And we at the health department are interested in this because we know all of those needs are also tied to health. Like if you don't have enough food or enough healthy food, you're not going to be at your optimal level of health. So we right. don't just care about you getting your vaccine so that you don't get the flu. We also care about you having enough nutritious food um, so that you're not, you know, getting chronic disease and you just feel better. Like, so that's that's really our interest from the, the health department side is to address all of those needs. It really is tied together. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you say that, you know, because if one is tied. And what's good about this is because I know the, 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 the groups that deal with homelessness a few years ago kind of did the same thing just with, with homelessness. This ties everything. Yeah. And this is this is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In in public health, we refer to these things as social determinants of health. So things that, you know, these kind of social factors that are going to ultimately kind of dictate your mm-hmm. health outcome. Um, and so this can be it can be access to health care. Like if you don't have transportation to get to health care, you're again, you're not going to have optimal health outcomes. But, you know, that's kind of taking a step back and figuring out, like, what is the, the barrier to that? Um, and so all of these these resources on the platform could be considered addressing social determinants of health. What's interesting, it seems, is the uh, that the health department, not too many years ago, it was either it was either flu shots or rabies or, you know, just a, a couple of or in, in the, uh, you know, the, the restaurant uh, going through and, and, and certifying restaurants were clean and all of that. And those were kind of your thing. 
But over over the past, even be, just be, even before COVID, but especially COVID since, you really have gotten really involved in the community in so many different ways with so many different organizations. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see that recognized because I, I do feel like we've really taken yeah. that step. And I think there's a couple things that have pushed us towards that. First, COVID just exposed a lot of weaknesses yeah. in the healthcare system and a lot of weaknesses that you know put people at risk during COVID were these social determinants of health. So we as public health kind of had to expand our view and we built a lot of partnerships. Like I talked with the school systems multiple times a week for a couple of years. So we mm-hmm. know each other really well now and we're happy. <laughs> yeah. We're happy to continue to connect in a way that's not COVID. Um, but also public health itself has just kind of expanded. Um, our, our director, Dr. Obasanjo, refers to public health 3.0, which is um, where public health is, thinks of themselves as the, the chief health strategist. So we don't have to be your doctor. We don't have to be the person that you go to for an urgent health need. But we're trying to bring people together to look at, you know, what are some of the levers that we can kind of adjust to improve health overall for the community? So those are those are a couple things that I think have pushed us in that direction. But um, I think it's really exciting and has a lot um potential for a lot bigger impact when we're looking at the population as a whole rather than just like individual by individual we want to be a healthy planning district 16 or a healthy spotsylvania a healthy fredericksburg Um, and these are the sorts of things that i think help us really get there because the health you're, you're able to pull like you say all of these different parts together and make a healthier community yeah yeah we have really great resources in our community but we don't always you know talk maybe as much as we should and so um if we can leverage each other a little bit better um and know that you know i keep coming back to food but like the health department doesn't do food we don't provide food but part of that's because the food bank does a really great job providing food and so we just want to make that connection and have our our organizations kind of work in tandem to address those needs of the community and also just like you say the you by by the food bank providing good food that provides a healthier a healthier person you know they're able to you know hopefully hold down a job or be able to have options and help their family and it just it, you know you just keep going through the progression exactly. of everything in the in, in the community and it, it yeah. you can you can direct people and it, it helps a, it helps a healthier community exactly exactly so, so that's really the goal you t- you came in you and Xavier Richardson I think a um, couple times came in and talked during was this was like this was during the pandemic and you yeah. did too Aaron we yeah. talked about when the you looked at the community as a whole mm-hmm. and came out with a came out with a plan or came out with with with, with some issues and, and and was was housing was the first was like the, the one of the one of the things that the people were most concerned of but a number of other things there that study has come up so many times during the course of the year as I have talked to, to various nonprofits and I just that that survey itself, I think, had a real had a, had a real big impact on this community as far as looking at things. I mean, I think the two things in in, in recent years that have that have really impacted the community, and you've been able to attack things, are that in uh, in the Rappahannock United Way's Alice study, mm-hmm. that those two things have have really been something that have, have really jump started people with ideas and has, has, has impacted us. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, like thinking of us as the chief health strategist. Yeah. What you're referring to is the community health assessment, which was like the survey and data collection itself, and then the community health improvement plan, um, which focuses on access to health care, 
housing, as you said, and then mental health um, as as the three really big issues that we heard from the community that they wanted to see us address. Um, other organizations contributed strategies under that, and I think that's a lot of the conversations that you've been able to have, and we've been so excited to see kind of the success of this. I think the timing was nice coming mm-hmm. off of COVID. People were really ready to talk about health and how we can improve it, um, but there's a whole number of strategies that have been super exciting. Unite Us that we were just talking about, that is a strategy in the Community Health Improvement Plan under Access to Care. Okay. Um, health Literacy is another one that the Health Department is doing. Um, so Health Literacy is the degree to which somebody is able to find, understand, and use health information. Um, I think about this a lot because I find insurance to be really difficult to navigate. And sometimes I get like a letter from my insurance company and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. And I work in health. Oh, those (laughs) Um, things are the scariest things. They're the worst. And like the recommendation is that you know, for for health information to be presented between like a fifth grade and eighth grade reading level. And that is by no means what we often see. Um, And, you know, people don't know how to read things like a nutrition label or if they don't know what to read on Mm -hmm. their prescription information. Like when you get that whole packet just because you picked up your routine prescription. Um, So health literacy is uh, we're we're doing a curriculum to help people just, you know, be able to understand and take in that kind of information a little bit more so that you you understand what you're being given in the healthcare system. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> sign me up. It is. It's 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 awful sometimes. Yeah, it's super challenging. And one of our target groups for that is we have a lot of refugees from Afghanistan in our area, which I, I think, you know, is is pretty widely yeah. known. But imagine if you're coming from another country, you don't speak the language, and then you're trying to navigate our healthcare system. Like it's an impossible it, task. Yeah. Good you luck. You don't even know how to make a doctor's appointment, maybe. No. And so where do you even begin? So it's, you know, that's kind of been, for for that group, breaking it down of like, when do you go to the ER versus urgent care? When do you call 911? Those sorts of of skills. Um, So that's, you know, at the health department been one thing that's kind of sprung out of the community health improvement plan. But there's been so many exciting things like Germana's expanding its nursing program and and certification programs. Um, Mary Washington Healthcare has some strategies under under this priority area. Um, But I'm you know, I could go on and on, but it, it has really been exciting, again, to see these organizations kind of coming together to address these issues that I think can best be, they, they can't really be addressed by just one mm-hmm. little organization with a limited budget, but they can be addressed when we're all kind of working together. No, I, it's, it's been exciting for me to just to see that the, the just the profile of the Rappahannock Area Health District has has changed. And you are in really initiating a lot of a, a lot of a lot of this, and you may have before, but we just didn't see it. Yeah, I, I think it is a change for us. Um, some, you know, due to staffing, we because of COVID, there was additional funding to hire additional staff, and you can do more with more people. And so that yeah. that is one piece of it that we're really trying to prepare ourselves for of what the next steps so that we can keep some of those people on. But again, I think it's also just a shift in in public health in general and and what this means. And public health is is, you know, in part, it's providing those services like immunizations that are going to help an individual, but it's it's in the interest of keeping the public healthy. And so yeah. that means you're not just clinical um, healthcare. You're things like environmental health so that we can eat out at restaurants and not be worried or, you know, maybe for some 
real germaphobes, you're just like a little bit, <laughs> little bit I, worried. Yeah. <laughs> Is it could still happen? But preventing a lot of those illnesses um, from from circulating in the community. So, Aaron, I mean, I know Aaron, especially during the during during COVID, um, and, and everybody at the health department, everybody's what what you used to, what you were trained to do, and in some cases always did change. Are you sort of back? I hate to say back to normal because I know with what you do, there's never you're never back to normal because things no, have changed so much. No, and I so like much. that aspect of things you, for me. I, oh, I enjoy do? new programs. What is wrong I, with I, you? I don't know. Um, no, I so I I spent a lot of time with the food safety program prior to COVID. And, That's how I knew you. Yep, and I got pulled into many many different roles during the COVID response and. It just, I didn't have it in me to go back to that world. I was enjoying what I was doing yeah. too much. So um, I did formally leave that position um, almost a year and a half ago now. And so I took a contractor role with the state agency um, to be able to support programs like the Unite Us platform and our, our call center and communications with community partners. Um, and so I'm running our website, I'm running our social media campaigns, and I'm supporting our community health workers with their different programs and really going off in a million different directions. But it, it's what keeps my brain happy these days. So, so you, I've got my hands in a little bit of everything. <laughs> so as, we, as, as Alice and I were talking just about just some of these some of these various changes, you're one that really has, you've not only embraced it, but it just kind of changed your career, so yeah, to speak. Yeah, I haven't been involved in a lot of like the planning and execution of these, but a lot of like the background support and promoting of things once they're, you know, coming into fruition and talking about them on things like the radio show and, yeah. and our social media platforms and things like that. So I've been very, very busy, um, but not in any one specific role. And I guess that's that's a challenge too, just getting the word out on, on some of these things. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just maintaining those social media platforms is a job and a half, I think. <laughs> oh, no, it, it is. And, and I know that you've done a good job of getting, getting things out, but a lot of times people get so caught up in uh, this is all I'm interested in and I'm not in a just getting the word out still, even though we have we have so many options and ways to do it, it is a challenge. It absolutely is. And so like I find the challenge to be how much do I share in any one day so I'm not overburdening <laughs> <Yeah>. people <laughs> with the amount of information. But there's also a huge competition. Like I, there's, I could talk about 20 different topics in a single day, mm -hmm. but that it's just too much to push out all at once. So I try to break it up and share as the week goes on and, and split things up. So. I have told people that it's it's worth your while to to, to, to follow the Rappahannock Area Health District Facebook page because you do have information on either things activities in the area or just just information that's either provided by you or by by the state or even by the by the federal government yep absolutely we we try to keep as much information on there as possible um we do run Instagram and X or what was Twitter. Whatever um, <laughs> well, yeah, no, but that's such an awkward thing. What do, you, what do you call it? But I would say we're probably most active on Facebook. We definitely have the most engagement from the community mm -hmm. on Facebook. Um, it's the easiest for me to maintain and, and push information out there. Um, and so X and Twitter, that, that kind of gets neglected sometimes, um, but, but most of our information is published on Facebook. So check it out if you, want, if you, you do really want to stay up to date on what's, what's happening. The, the Rappahannock Area Health District really has, you do have a, just a wide variety of, uh, 
of, uh, of information. Aaron Perkins and Allison Balmas John here this morning from the Health District. We'll take one final break and uh, conclude this morning on News Talk 1230 WFVA. This is Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. Download the all-new News Talk 1230 WFVA app for Apple and Android. Text your comments or questions directly to the studio at 540-371-5756. And now, here's your host, Ted Schubel. Good stuff this morning with the uh, Rappahannock Area Health District as uh, we uh, enter the holiday season and just a, just a lot of good uh, wrap-up and, and, and to see what, what the, uh, the health district is uh, up to mental health such a such a big issue and a concern and i'm sure you're, you're all involved with that too yeah so again going back to that community health improvement plan we had those the three issues that we really heard from the community that they wanted us to be taking action on and mental health was we got such a big response that especially coming out of the pandemic mental health is a really big concern for folks um so i think one of the the ex- the newest exciting things that we have addressing mental health is there's a new suicide prevention coalition in our area so you know kind of talking about really kind of worst case scenario when it comes to mental health um but our interest in this came from looking closer at the data. So just trying to be really objective, looking at what issues there are in our community. Um, this is a lot of this is based off of you know death certificate data, so pretty <laughs> pretty validated. But we see higher rates of suicide in our area than the state as a whole, especially in our rural areas. Mm. Um, King George's suicide rate in particular is really high, but so is Caroline's. Um, but we also know, you know, veterans have higher rates of suicide. And I think everybody who lives here know lots of veterans in this area. And also, you know, we just had Veterans Day, but a group we really want to look out for. They served our country. We want to be able to connect them with the services that they need. Yeah. Um, so that's really what this coalition was born out of. It's being led by us as well as uh, Rappahannock Area Community Services Board. And then the, the VA, Veterans Administration, has a big role as well. Um, but that just launched last month, and our, our next meeting is later this month. And we'd love to see more community member engagement if this is an issue that really speaks to you. Was that the, gr- the group that you did a, like a Zoom meeting and talked about this because that was really interesting yeah we did in september we did a zoom meeting you know kind of digging digging more into the data so i think that's what you're referring to um had a meeting in october and then our next meeting is uh monday november 27th so right after thanksgiving it'll start at 12 30 and it's at the rappahannock ems training center um happy to answer questions so folks are looking for more information you're welcome to give us a call um or we'll we can put some information on our um facebook page um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's just a, a shocking issue that of, of how serious it really is in yes. our area yeah. Um, yeah. and, and how many people can be impacted. Just like you said, the, the, the numbers were, were very surprising. Yes. Um, so yes. We were surprised. <laughs> something, yeah. Something we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. The, the other thing, uh, family health history is something that we often don't talk about, but you talk to a lot of doctors sometimes and they'll say, it's a good thing to know, especially if you come in and you're asked about something. And sometimes you, your parents could have had some kind of a, a great, you know, to know the information helps doctors. Yeah. So Thanksgiving is Family Health History Day. And this is really based off the idea that while your family is together, you don't have to talk about it the whole day long, but take a little time to discuss your family health history. I have a actually example of this from like last week, but um, something came up where I was asking my parents if there was any diabetes in our family. And I thought there wasn't at all. And my dad was like, oh, no, your grandmother had diabetes. And I was like, oh, well, good to know. Maybe I should be putting that on my doctor questionnaire. Right. But if you don't 
take the time. It's not something that might come up in conversation. You know, my grandmother died when I was very young. I didn't know her well, and so I just didn't know this about her. But that could be a risk factor for me that I want to keep an eye out for. So Thanksgiving's a great day to, to talk about that. Sometimes it can be awkward, but it is good to know. To know it that is kind good to know. To know that kind of thing. Yeah. We just have a few seconds left. But again, Aaron, if uh, don't make everyone sick. No, wash your hands. Wash your hands, <laughs> cook your food, and, and, and really spend some time to make sure you know what to do for the, for the holidays. Absolutely. Thank you both. It's been a long time since you've been in. We'll we'll remedy that and won't do that. Is we'll 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 get you in more just because there's just a, a lot of interesting things that that really deal day to day with with all of us in the Rat Panic Area Health District involved in. Thanks for for all the, all you guys do. Thanks, Thanks for having Ed. us, Allison Baumas, John, and Aaron Perkins with the Rat Panic Area Health District. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. We will see you in the morning. Thanks for listening to Town Talk on News Talk 1230 WFVA. The views expressed by the hosting guests on this program are their own and not necessarily those of this station, its management, or Centennial Broadcasting. Hear the show anytime by subscribing to the Town Talk podcast on your favorite podcast platform. The Glenn Beck program is next on News Talk 1230 WFVA, focused on Fredericksburg.